WNBA Nation. Hello again. Uh, good to have you. Welcome to the March Madness or women's basketball if you're looking at midcourt. That's a different discussion for a different day. Edition of the show. We are now through the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Uh, we have way too much to get into and glad to have you. It's March time. Is there a better time of the year? There might be. I guess that's your opinion. I'm going to introduce my host and cut myself off because it's been way too long since I've hosted an episode. Got Logan. We got Kyle. How are we doing? Ah, so good. So good. It was nice to have all four of us. Jason's not on with us tonight. He was earlier, but his power's out. It's nice to have all four of us and just chat for a bit. And we've got a lot to talk about in our personal lives and then as well as, you know, everything going on with March. I'm just, I'm happy to be on tonight. It's been (laughs) a bit of a wild couple weeks for uh, my family in particular. And so it just feels good to just leave all that behind and focus on women's hoops tonight. So I'm doing well. How about you, Logan? I'm doing well too. Uh, if, if I were to quantify it, I would say I would, I was doing probably like 30 points better than Kyle's doing. Uh, <laughs> if I had to put a number on it. <laughs> wow. That, uh, that, oh. that one will sting. That one will sting. That was, that was rough. That was rough. I gotta get that my, sh- my shots well in now while I can. <laughs> I, I'm in last of all of the, of the four of us. I'm in last. And so. I, I was yeah. going to respond by saying, I don't know if I'm doing much better than Logan or doing better than Kyle. I do feel like I'm doing a little bit better than Ashley Jones' dad at the moment. Oh. <laughs> um, he oh. had, I'm going to say, a rough evening. Um, <laughs> he's a supportive father, very passionate about the success of his children. I'm not here to, to cancel any father, but uh, no, that guy stole some camera time. Let's just say... Can I just say, anytime I watch a game, men's or women's, and they keep going to like the coach's wife or the player's dad or, or like, like a little brother or something, I will instantly change my allegiance to that team just so that person can be okay. Like, <laughs> no matter what attachment what I have. What was the one in uh, the men's tournament, the North, the Northwestern kid from a couple of years ago? The Northwestern ago, kid that was where crying. They could not get yeah. the camera off this child literally sobbing. Like, yeah. Then this yeah. is not like a COVID era. There's 30,000 people in the arena. Yeah. Like, show anyone else. In the, at least in that case, they're like, there's 12 other people. Like, we have, we, you know, we got to get around. But then there was also that case of like, no, when there's a meltdown, you just, you let it happen. And it was, he was like, it, did you guys saw that shot when he literally was stomping up the stairs? Like yeah. just furious <laughs> in just insane. I, yeah, I thought, I, I thought he might come onto the court. I, yeah. You <laughs> again, again, I was stoked. His, yeah, Ashley had a phenomenal game. Oh like one of the best, gosh. one of the best stat and lines that we've seen. Yeah. Like maybe it might be the best stat line that we've seen of in this tournament, tournament so yeah. far. It was it, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. Like, like she wasn't super high on my radar. You better believe I'm paying attention yeah. to uh huge night. Yeah. Yeah. Huge night. For sure. I, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Ashley Jones. Like I'm going to be watching, watching her from now on. But absolutely like, love her, that. Her father though is just very much <laughs> yeah. like a, 
He is a Denny's is for winners type of dad. You can very much tell <laughs> how that goes. Someone's in our chat already calling out Logan's take on saying BYU shouldn't even be an attorney. <laughs> well, <laughs> Bernard is, is calling you out on that one because because uh, they got the upset over Rutgers. So, yeah, here's here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem. <laughs> Rutgers also shouldn't have been in the tournament. <laughs> so I'm I'm you know good on BYU for for pulling out a game against the team that literally loses in every sport all the time whenever expectations are set on them. Uh, oh, but they actually I I actually I care more about their decent showing against Arizona because I think Arizona is an actually good team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they actually performed I think very that well. That game said more than the Rutgers game. I, it did. Yeah. And they, they have the, the nation's leading shot blocker. Like they do a lot of things really well. And, and they actually hung really close with an Arizona team that I, I think could go really far. So you have yeah, to give sure. them that. You have to. I agree. Uh, I, I agree. And I, I, I like their stickiness on that. I just, any, I'm going to hold off any high praise, uh, until their coach learns to put his mask on over his nose and then. <laughs> I knew I could count on you to to bring. I was gonna toss it over to you. I was gonna like transition. I was like, talk about the mask thing, and I was like, nah, Steve. I like how they scored, but yeah, Coach Chin Diaper. It's a different discussion. So, um, Uh, guys, guys, I'll just shoot straight with this. It's gonna take a whole heck of a lot for any of us, based on where we went to school, to say a nice thing about Brigham Young University. That's just how it is. But true. I'll, I'll, I got another one. They did a lot better than UVU did. Heck of so, a lot better. Okay. There we go. Hang the yeah. banner. <laughs> yeah. Pro, uh, yeah. Utah County champions. Yeah. Good for them, man. <laughs> it, it's Killed not it. every day you see the JV team be better than the varsity team. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on from that. All the good slackiness aside. So obviously we're through two rounds. It, the storyline of this was interesting because we actually, I remember we had this discussion in our group chat after round one. Everything was looking shock. It was almost like, was anything going to explode? And it was almost they didn't like have the, a single upset. It was yeah, almost like the, the basketball first, the guys sitting on their thrones, like guys, there's two days. Could you just <laughs> chill, get a night's sleep? And then it's just like, boom, 11 seed, boom, 12 seed, boom, 13 seed. Uh, what was your immediate reaction to just this like slingshot effect of a first round and a second round? Which we watched a lot of good basketball. My my first reaction was that that's usually the opposite of what happens, right? Like the first day, usually either teams are unprepared or uh, they overlook their their day one opponents, and then the second day is usually where you see teams kind of refocus and make sure, like, hey, like we saw what happened last night, let's not lose this game to this twelve seed. Instead. Everything was going by the book. And then, like you said, Wright State reared their heads. BYU showed up. Uh, what, what are the other the, the big ones that I'm missing? Belmont. Belmont Bruins. Yeah, yeah you me, called that one, Logan. That was, yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was big for me because I didn't call a lot of the other ones correctly. Um, and now, now we've got two rounds in the books uh, as of this recording. And it's looking like if you weren't a one seed, boy, the next, <laughs> the next several... Uh, the twos and threes and fours, uh, had some trouble in the round of 32. So, uh, if, if you were upset heavy in your picks, uh, you're probably doing better than a lot of us are right now. I, I will say like the theme that I saw was obviously day two was full of a, a lot of upsets. There's a lot of cool results. And so you could say day one almost 
didn't have that. That to be said, the amount of close calls in the first round alone was pretty nuts. I mean, there was, there were a lot of teams, at least late in the first half, early in the second half, who were giving really good teams fits. And some have already recovered well. A couple haven't. I mean, A&M seems to continuously just like to be on the brink. But, like, it's, yeah. it's been an interesting dichotomy of it. So, um, I think I'm just going to jump right into it. So, what's been uh, – actually, this is a question that Logan already posed. We'll jump right into it. So, we've already talked upsets. Do you guys have a favorite upset? Like, what's been the upset of the journey so far? I really, really love the right state over Arkansas upset. That was good stuff. For the reason is that if you listen to our previous episode, I really liked Arkansas. I didn't have them going super far. I had them losing to Missouri State, so I got that right. But Arkansas is the kind of team that in the right circumstance could take out a Stanford or Louisville. Like they, they have the firepower. They have that ability. They've already taken out number one teams. Uh, you know, the number one team at, at some point this season. So like they're good. They're, they're very talented. And so to have Wright State, you know, show up uh, and just, and just, uh, you know, steal that win in round one, I thought was a ton of fun. I thought it was a, a blast of a game. Um, I really, really enjoyed that game. So I, that was, that was probably the upset that's going to stick in my mind from the first round. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take a second round one. This is technically an upset, even though they're a six seed, but Oregon taking down Georgia, uh, was not something mm. that I had. Um, I, I think I fell prey to being overly cautious about this Ducks team, thinking, you know, don't take them far just because the last two years they were great. Last three years they were great. Um, but they, you know, they finished below the top couple teams in the Pac-12, and we know that that's a strong conference, but I didn't think that they were going to get really far. And instead, they've probably had a better showing. You know, I, I think they've looked better than Arizona. Uh, they looked better than UCLA, certainly, because they didn't get through Texas tonight. Um, that's that's a team that's got some... I mean, they play two centers, uh, and they can get away with it because of how, how skilled they are um, both on both ends of the floor. So that's something that... You just a lot of teams in this bracket probably aren't used to seeing, uh, and we probably underestimate how much it helps during the season to play teams you're familiar with uh, twice yeah. a year, and you play them on your home court or in courts that you've traveled to before. And this is very different. I think we've seen maybe this is just a take for another time, but I think we've seen the neutral court play a big role in what's happening this year. Uh, yeah. and, and Oregon giving people different looks and and making people struggle is a really interesting. Uh, pick now against Louisville, who looked like they didn't want to beat Northwestern for a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of the minutes they played today. They did, um, but number two Louisville, I think, is in danger now because of that uh, that second round upset. Yeah, mm. I like that. I think with me, like Michigan is so much more dangerous than I think anyone expected. Yep, and <laughs> they basically, I mean, they came off a win against an FGCU team that had like a trap game feel. They made easy work of that. And then they essentially boat rest Tennessee. And it, so it's just kind of one of those cases of like, I, I watched a handful of Michigan games and I thought they were good. I, I, I clearly didn't know. Uh, so that's one that almost doesn't feel like an upset just because they've been playing, they've been playing that well. Uh, like the two upsets, if you're going by ranking, if it's simply just a higher seed beating a top seed or, you know, something like that. I mean, it's literally that. And then like, People need to keep pissing off Caitlin Clark. <laughs> it's, a, it's a five beating a four. It's by number only an upset, but 
she outscored Kentucky in the first half. Like people just need yeah, to keep that doing was, that. That was an insane game. That was a phenomenal performance. Like what's awesome is the one thing I love about March is if you've been paying attention to women's college hoops, you know who Caitlin Clark was like three games into the season. You were aware of her. Um, what I love about March Madness is that this is where people who haven't been paying attention as closely, all of a sudden they start learning about these types of players. And Caitlin Clark is making a definite name for herself. Uh, to she's she's making a bigger name for herself to people who weren't necessarily paying attention before. And I love that. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, if you were with our Twitch stream on Monday, um, you know that we've talked a lot about that region. Uh, it's Yukon's region. It's Iowa's region. Michigan and Baylor face each other in the next round in a stressful game for yours truly. Cause I've got Baylor as my champion this year. Um, Ooh. I, I think if they get through Baylor, they have as much reason to make a deep run as anyone. I mean, at that point, they're going to the elite eight and, and coming out of some of the hardest. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like we've talked a lot about how battle tested the team that survives that region is going to be. We all kind of assumed like maybe UConn, but like Caitlin Clark and Iowa was there too. Um, but the other side of that little, I feel like I'm breaking the bracket like way down here, but like <laughs> Michigan Baylor is going to be a fight too. Um, so that's, I'm most interested in what's going on there above probably any other games this coming weekend. To, t- to tie, I suppose, to that theme, because uh, we've had a really good chat already about these these upsets. We had so many close calls. Do you guys have a favorite or a most highlighted close call or a most heartbreaking close call? And why is it Stephen F. Austin? <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that was a that was a hard one for anybody who loves a good Cinderella. Oh gosh, that's yeah. Breaks you know you. it. It was Stephen F. Austin until tonight. I I man. I have Texas A&M in my final four, but y- your heart breaks for Iowa state. That was Absolutely. such a good oh, when game. You play that well, <laughs> it was such uh, a good game to play, to play that phenomenally well. And just to have like your drought, your one drought happened at the worst possible time. And like Jordan Nixon happened. <laughs> like it just, yeah. So many of those things I had to fall at once. Cause it's, yeah, no, totally. It's, that's the classic game of like it's a real shame what only one team had got to move forward. Yeah, yeah. It's not a matter of like, oh, you know, the other team just wanted it more. We didn't bring our best tonight. It's like, no, both teams brought their best. If they played a seven game series, I have no idea which way it would go. Yeah. Like, so good. There, now, there's a comment in the chat that worth mentioning also that uh, Troy versus A and M, uh, the other A and M game. Yeah. That, yeah. That also. That also had some bad feelings. Some different, some different than the Iowa State spicy, game. Some spicy calls. Yeah. Yeah. That could have really mm-hmm. turned things around. And, and you guys may not know this, but Kyle and I specifically have some real love for Troy. So. Yeah, we do. We want to, we want to see that one through, but you know, here we are. I, no, it, that's, Troy was a big one. Obviously, Stephen F. Austin was, was a, a tough call, but overall a lot of cool stuff. But before we move on to the matchups, I just, like my favorite game by far was so far has been A&M and Iowa state that that was a phenomenal night. I have an interesting question for you guys. And I want to take away the context of one of the scenarios because like I've, okay. I've, I've fallen in very endearing love for, for, uh, uh, for Jordan Nixon is like, it's not very hard to do that. Uh, but so 
Her her game winner uh the night that we're recording this. Mm-hmm. That like almost the style of that. So like she there's a very almost uh, there I've seen people on Twitter give the like Arike Gumbawale type comparison in terms of there's something about her being that player when the ball's in her hands in the moment. And obviously like the the context changes this discussion, right? Because Gumbawale did what she did to win a final four game in a championship game, so obviously there's an elevation there. But what would you how do you compare like the spot up three to win it to what Jordan Nixon did, which was like actually ball handle and land a mid ranger, which almost feels like it doesn't exist in basketball anymore. <laughs> um, like how do you guys compare those? Do you like what's more exciting to you? Cause like for me, if I take away the context of the moment of like what's at stake, cause obviously she won a like Arika Gawali won a national championship with one of her two buzzers. Yes, that's the better sh- in, in, with all that considered. But there's something about putting up a floater after cross court, watching it rattle the rim. Like something about that moment was yeah. like I miss I, I that, miss this style of play. I'll, I'll say that that when I think of like buzzer beater March Madness, I think of those types of plays. Is inside like. You know, you're going, you're going downhill, you know, flying down the court. You kind of throw up a shot un like off balance. You're kind of, you know, floating it up there off the backboard. It rims around and in. Like, I love that. There's a certain aesthetic to that that I just absolutely love that I think Mm -hmm. is, is a huge part of March Madness. The spot up three is big because it's, but, but at the same time, it's a shot that you see consistently throughout the rest yeah. of the game. You don't necessarily a desperate des- necessarily see a desperation toss up, you know, as yeah. you're kind of falling to the ground almost, yeah. you know, throwing yeah. it up at the hoop. So I, I do appreciate that almost a little more just be- simply because it's more of a rare type play. And to Enrique's credit, those were, you know, you couldn't call those spot ups. Yeah, I she, mean- her- I was going to say they were kind of more like running like on the fly. Insanely well. difficult yeah. shots, but it definitely was in that yeah. note of like something about, about the March Madness, like the NCAA tournament in general. And this is on both sides of the coin, both brackets. I think something that's frustrated me. I know Logan and I have both had, have had rant sessions with each other about this is those closing moment. Like those moments have changed so much over the years. And for me as an old timey basketball fan, I guess at this point, like, it's it's less exciting. It's been less exciting to me because of the reliance on the deep shot. Is now like set plays to win a game just doesn't feel like it exists as heavily anymore. Now it's just get your right. best shooter, get him to run the clock, get him to the right spot, hard step shot. And listen, you do what you do to win a basketball game. I'm not going to sit here and question you on it. So I think what was fun about that moment was I think Jordan she kind of had it in her head like the closer I get to the rim, the easier chance I have of getting a bucket, and we're gonna win. Mm. And so and she had made it that open, move. all yeah. the way up the floor. They had an open player on the wing calling for it on the three point line. Um, and this is where I'll actually disagree with Kyle. Um, in, in terms of what play I'd prefer as a coach, I would much prefer driving to the rack, especially if all you need is a bucket to take the lead. Nothing drives me crazier than teams calling these long timeouts at the end of hard fought games. And drawing up basically no play except our best shooter is going to dribble around for 14 seconds and then jack up a three. I hate that like philosophy. 
So I much prefer games that end tonight. But if you're asking me what I think is the flashier play, I love how long the ball hangs in the air on the three-point buzzer beater. You know, mm-hmm. I love, especially if it's not dribble around for 10 seconds, but if it's an outlet pass or an offensive rebound and it's just a desperation three, I do think it's a more exciting play. Um, so much of that has to be because I'm biased and I, I happen to cheer for like one of the best clutch three point shooters ever. I was going to say, it sounds very <laughs> Lillard esque. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably heavily influenced by that, but I also, I, I really think a lot of great March moments do happen when there's shot creators inside the arc. And that's, it's sort of a lost art. I don't think it's an over exaggeration to say like when we were all growing up, the number one skill you could have as a ball handler, especially like if you were a smaller guy was, can you, can you create shots? Can you create offense? Can you find, can you get to your spots? And now it's very much like, can you shoot a high percentage if you're open from three? Yeah. And it's, it obviously it's just things evolve and, and what have you, but that was kind of what hit me as I watched that play. Like, I think what's, what was so satisfying about that finish, especially considering I'm not a fan of the other team, but I yelled as if you would think I was an AM fan with how I responded to that finish. And I think it was <laughs> just because I, I just, Same. the, I, I think there was something cool about that moment and unique about it. But, um, yeah. that said, let's jump into this. We have our sweet 16 lineup already in set. Um, we've already taken up quite a bit of real estate. I think we'll just open it up. We've, we've already talked about just standout favorites, things like that. The, there is an answer to this question. Literally, there's an answer to this question. So n- none of us are allowed to answer with what's the true answer because we're going to get to that specific <laughs> one. So outside of the okay. correct answer, what is the matchup you're most looking forward to in the Sweet 16? Oh, okay. So we're not allowed to give the correct answer. We have to give a <laughs> yeah. different one. Let's be, let's be straight right. and honest. There is a <laughs> correct answer. Um... Okay, I'll give you one that I'm I'm actually really psyched about, and that's Oregon Louisville. That's um, Oregon's looked really good. Uh, you know, I I feel like they've they've felt very in control of their games. Louisville looked pretty slow to start in each of the two rounds. I mean, Marist hopped up on on Louisville, and obviously Louisville ended up winning by like thirty. And then beat Northwestern by nine earlier tonight, but Louisville was down, I think like 13 to two to start the game against Northwestern. Um, and so they've, they've had a really slow start. I don't know if they can afford to do that against this Oregon Ducks team that seems to hop out to a lead and just, and continue to hold that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, that's a matchup that really has me intrigued because I've cooled on, my Louisville excitement over the last two rounds and Oregon has me pretty hyped. And so I'm stoked to see that matchup in particular. So Logan, I'm yeah. sorry, Kyle stole your answer, but you can repeat it no. or you can, <laughs> you can pick a different one. This is on, this is your call. No, my answer to this question is, uh, is not Oregon. And it's, it's not the one that, that we're banned from, from saying, like, do you hear me? Uh, <laughs> You are hereby I, I believe, banished. From I that believe respect. Texas A&M and Arizona will be... I, I mean, Texas mm. A&M has played in two thrillers so far, and this is the best team they're going to face. So yeah. I don't mm. see any reason why that shouldn't be a very close game. Arizona, as, as mentioned at the top of the show, I think survived BYU rather than really like flexed their muscles. So for being a three seed uh, and being as, as 
good as they were in a strong conference this year, Arizona hasn't looked that impressive. And Texas A&M just keeps finding a way to win games. Yeah. So one of those things is going to end. Uh, and I, I'm most interested in that because of the implications moving forward. Uh, if Arizona turns things around and beats a good Texas A&M team, uh, maybe they are ready for NC State and beyond. Uh, yep. we, we all kind of think that maybe Texas A&M, after kind of two close calls in the tournament, might have a little bit of a come-to-Jesus meeting today and go out and actually look stronger than uh, they have in their yeah. previous two games against an even better opponent. So that would mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just pure entertainment value, I think that's the game to watch. Um, I, I, if I had to bet on like how close all these, uh, the sweet 16 games are going to be, I would say this has probably got the best bet of being a one possession game, like wire to wire. Yeah. I feel you there. Um, I'm, I'm interested. I, it was intriguing. I really thought what do you guys would choose what I had in mind. Um, Obviously, the 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 winner. We'll talk about it in a second, but um, I I can't say with a full honesty like I actually would choose this anyway. But it's pretty darn close. Terps horns uh, yes. is one that I'm very I'm excited for. <laughs> Maryland has dropped 198 points in the first two rounds, <laughs> uh, and Texas has been one of the better defensive clubs and just very comfortably took down. A very good UCLA team, uh, and Charlie Collier is looking completely, you know, just completely on on brand. Everything about that matchup to me is uh, these are two well-oiled teams that have momentum, and it's hard for me to say exactly where that one's going to land because I think Maryland is 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 easily the the favorite coming into that, and I could see them finding their way into an easy win, but you just don't know if, you know, Collier gets going early. If Tex has that mojo, all of a sudden that turns into a different story. And so that's a fun one. Cause I feel like I'm watching kind of two asteroids collide and we just, we're mm-hmm. not exactly sure uh, th- what might happen. I thought about that one. Um, the only reason I didn't pick it is I, I think there is a chance that Maryland just kills Texas. Um, it really which, though. Yeah. Which in and of itself is interesting. Like, like I still want to watch if that's what happens. I very much want to watch it. Mar- like it won't have the tension of a close game, but I want to see them do Maryland's it. ability to put up points is unreal. If, if they maul yeah. Texas and then draw, likely they draw South Carolina in the elite eight, then it'd be like, I would go from focusing on the other side of the bracket in the Sweet 16 to like, all right, that's the Elite Eight matchup to watch. South Carolina obviously has championship on their mind because that's their program. And Maryland scoring 100 points a game. If they ease past Texas, yeah, that's they're a serious threat all of a sudden. So they're a threat already. um, But I I think Texas, as you said, will be their biggest test. So if if they ace that one... I don't know who's going to slow him down. What's most impressive to me about this Texas win tonight against UCLA was that Collier really, like, really struggled and had like, what she have five points, went one for three from the field, like just kind of disappeared and and didn't have much there. But if Texas can do that while she's not playing at the at the top of her level, and mm-hmm. instead you've got Taylor and Alan Taylor like both stepping up, like that. That says a lot to me that Texas isn't just Charlie Collier, right? 
mm-hmm. and that she's had huge games and and looked like the best player in the country and then will disappear at times. Yep. Um but I but what's impressive was that they took down a, an extremely talented UCLA squad without much from her today and who knows if I mean if she comes back if if she comes back on I think they're they're as tough as an out as just about anybody in the field right now. Yeah, this, and that's what I I'm excited to see them play. This definitely is a game where like the first five minutes to me will tell the story of how yep. basically the night will go. And if Texas finds it, like if Collier can get Mojo going early and reinvigorate what we didn't see against the Bruins, and they yep. put in a stronghold, like all of a sudden you might be looking at a completely different story. But Maryland has the potential to put this on ice pretty quickly. I mean, they've been yeah. doing that. As I've been watching these Maryland games, I'm pretty confident I can hear Christy Tulliver Teller, giggling like to herself like, from, <laughs> from here, from where I'm sitting. I mean, it's just been that type of high-octane game. So I think that'll be a fun matchup. I think we obviously have a lot of fun matchups. Let's quit beating around the bush and talk about Kate and Clark versus Paige Beckers. Um, yes, this is like an actual we, heavyweight battle. This is, we've been wanting this all year long. Do we have a headline for this? Like, like we had Thrilla and Manila and, and Rumble in the Jungle. Like what's, what's the heavyweight title for this game? Cause I feel like we deserve one. Uh, uh, some, um, something in Riverwalk. Something, something about the Riverwalk. Yeah. Cause they're the Riverwalk <laughs> region. Yeah. with Riverwalk. Yeah. Um, I said nothing rhymes with Riverwalk. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What runs is talk, um, bulk, um, chalk, chalk. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail things. I, I really want to conservatively. I, I want to talk about this game for the next four and a half hours. So, yeah, that was just about three a.m. It's two. But. It's two different discussions because yeah. you have a, a very fun Iowa team against what's been a fairly dominant UConn team getting their legendary coach back. And you have the two best freshmen in the country, and you could argue the two best players in the country. Yeah. Uh, finally coming to blows. And you have one who's been given all the hardware, the other one who seems to be getting overlooked for hardware, probably based on the name that's on the front of their jersey. And um, she may not admit it herself, but uh, clearly things happen when you upset Caitlin Clark, and they're very entertaining. <laughs> Uh, so it's one of those scenarios of like, I, I think this will be a fun matchup. It's hard to say that the general end result is up in the air. Uh, just when you look at the talent levels between the teams, but that said, my question is like, how important is this matchup? It like almost to me, this feels like one of those must see style matchups like this. Like we've talked so much about this freshman class and how impactful they are. Like this is starting to weirdly, as the more I think about this matchup, it's almost starting to feel like a, another classic turning point, like new chapter in the story of modern women's basketball. Is that me way yeah. overselling it? it no, no, just no, has no, that no. Feel to it. it. And it may totally I, fizzle I out and, and be mundane. Who knows? But it just has that ideal of like, this could be fun. No, I, I feel you, dude, because I think in it's these two are obviously the headliners for this freshman class, but there's other freshmen out there. Um, you know, uh, as she's the Haley Van Lith, for example, struggled a little bit on and off later on in the season. And she's still around. 
Um, I really like her potential. I think that she's had to take a little bit more of a back seat with uh, Dana Evans uh, kind of stepping up and kind of leading that Louisville team. Whereas Clark and Beckers have had opportunities to come in and basically be the go-to headliner for their respective teams from day one. Um, I love, I love that we have this opportunity to see these two players because I think it's not just these two, but their entire class is extremely deep and extremely talented. And I'm already like wanting to fast forward a couple years to see what this WNBA draft is going to look like when, when they're available and, and ready to go. Um, so that's, so no, I agree with you. I think that this, these two right now are somewhat of a snapshot of what's to come for the future of the WNBA, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally feel you there. How are you feeling on that, Logan? I have talked myself into this being a, a thing. Uh, the, the Caitlin Clark, Paige Bukers, like, I don't know if they have any bad blood. I don't know if they're they don't, friends. I, they're actually like pretty like, good friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, so Becker, like, Beckers and Clark yeah, are pretty good. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, really tight so online. Like, and yeah, I, I don't want to like make up a scenario where this becomes like our W history episode that, that we dropped a little while ago where it's like these, they're going to face each other in college and they're going to be rivals of the WNBA. Like they probably root for each other when it's not March. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you say that because like sometimes we've seen the narrative where like that actually is the, often the better story, right? Cause, you know, DT, whenever DT and Bird play, you know, it's always going to be yeah, must see. That's true. And they, and the, yeah. literally when it goes to zeros, they're back to being best friends. We, it, you know, if, MBA fans saw this last year with Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, you know, like yeah. r- running into each yeah. other at the elevator and cafeteria and the bubble, like laughing and hanging out after one just tore the other's heart out in the playoffs. Like yep. it's, it's like that narrative almost. Like seeing that narrative and people coming in and being like, stop creating this rivalry. They're good friends. I'm like, actually, that almost makes it spicier to me. Like that idea that there is that camaraderie is like, I like, I'll be honest. Like it would make me want to beat you, Kyler Logan more. Like, yeah, so true. Just like so it, true. It, it would motivate, it would <laughs> almost motivate me more. I could totally see that. Yeah. I'll, I will say this. I'll, I'll get us started with who I've got. Cause I want to hear who everyone's got. I, first of all, my bracket had Kentucky winning this game because I was trying to play the bracket, uh, more than, more than <laughs> anything. So I was trying to bounce UConn as early as I could. Um, but, but when it comes down to what I would actually put money on, I think UConn's going to win this game. Uh, I, I, something's going to give between Iowa being second in the nation in field goal percentage. They shoot almost 52%. Uh, by the way, UConn's number one. They're the only team ahead of them. Um, but 52% versus UConn is third in the nation in field goal percentage allowed. They allow 33%. So even if those two things meet in the middle, uh, I think UConn wins this game because team defense is easier to keep intact uh, versus trying to get Caitlin Clark 35 points and have a lot of her teammates chip in against one of the best defenses in the country. It's just hard for me to picture that they're going to be able to overcome them. Uh, they also have the emotional boost, which I think matters of getting Gino back. I don't think Gino's going to come back and lose this game. Um, I won't go through all the stats because it's basically redundant. Uh, but I, I looked up a bunch of things to see if Iowa was like above UConn in any big categories. And they're in the top five and top eight and top 12 of everything. But UConn just does everything a little bit better. Um, so mm. I, I will take 
UConn's third-ranked in the nation team defense over Caitlin Clark, with the caveat that betting against Caitlin Clark has burned me badly so far in this bracket. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, for me, I, I agree that I think it's a really cool narrative that they're, that they're really good friends. Um, you know, that, that we get to see them going up against each other. Um, my brain says that Yukon is going to take this and I've got Yukon surprise, surprise. I've actually got Yukon going all the way and, and taking the entire tournament this year, which is my, this is my first year ever picking Yukon to win it all. Um, but, I like if I was to pick UConn to lose to anyone, I would love for it to be Iowa. I think Iowa yeah. is such a fun story and such like, yes, it's like we're, we're hyping up this Caitlin Clark versus you, uh, Caitlin Clark versus Paige Beckers. It's, I mean, Iowa is, they're not just Caitlin Clark. They're, they're, they're a really fun squad and UConn oh, yeah. obviously isn't just Paige Beckers, but it is kind of the big storyline. Um, my heart, like I, I almost, like my heart wants Iowa to win because I think that would be just a really fun story. It'd be a really cool way to, to kind of verify what Caitlin's been doing all season. But my brain says, my brain says that UConn's going to take this one by, uh, potentially, you know, five to 10 points. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I am in the same boat as Kyle and I, I have UConn taking this and it's not common for me but it's one of those just like they're a program that's uh, probably due and it just seems yeah. to fit in in the situation we're in right now I I, I am not an anti-UConn person when I say what I'm about to say I'm not one of those general types that said I will never be happier for a team to completely gut my bracket with a spoon like I like it would be <laughs> just it's a, it would be a 30 for 30 level cool moment. It doesn't feel right to me. I think UConn's in a perfect situation to essentially say, let their best player get what the best player is going to get and let's lock things down from there. Right. Like, like that's only going right. to propel them so far. And, and again, that's, that's me short cheating Iowa's roster knowing that they're riddled with talent. There's a reason that they are where they are. There's a reason they're a sweet 16 team. It doesn't just have to do with one phenomenal freshman. And that's it. Yeah. They did look. Awesome against oh, very, gosh, very good. Kentucky. One of the I mean, best Kentucky dismantled Kentucky. I yeah. thought they were going to lose to Kentucky because Kentucky plays good defense and Iowa usually doesn't. Um, that game was a 14 point final and it felt much larger. It felt like Kentucky yeah. had no chance before halftime. Mm-hmm. Kentucky closed the gap considerably towards it, like through the second half. And they still lost by 14. Like that's, that should tell you everything you need to know yeah, about that. Game. Yeah. It was a very much the foot came, like the, the foot came off the gas. It was, yeah. um, it is really how that felt. I, I see things obviously similar to where Kyle does as far as an end result in terms of how things look. What I do think is going to be important here is I think this will get, hopefully give us an opportunity to just glimpse at the future of women's basketball in general. And I, I expect mm-hmm. the players that are of focus to uh, – I honestly could see them exceeding each other's expectations. These, these are two people who are not shy to how they know how, how they're viewed and how they're understood and want to live up to that. They're they're the first stars of the TikTok age, and they, they, I think there's something to that. And 
you're kind of looking at the we may very well be looking at like the zoomer DT and bird, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's important to me. And so a lot of times when a matchup is watered down to like two players, like a head to head, it sometimes can be frustrating. And you say like, well, there's more to it. And that's obviously true here. These are two good teams. One team, a very historically good team with tons of talent. Um, but I'm almost comfortable with all the talk about these two players because I'm perfectly fine with that. Unfortunately, the world of basketball right now is player driven. That's what gets eyes onto products. That's what gets people talking and generating. And these are two absolutely perfect players. Watching a showcase of Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark doing what Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark do will shut up anyone who wants to retweet Shaq talking about lowering the rim because you can't watch <laughs> these two do what they know how to do as well as just about anybody. Tell me you're not entertained. Tell me you're not inspired. Tell me you don't enjoy the game. Those types of conversations. And granted, listen, we don't need anyone but Candace Parker to shut him up. She, she's doing enough of a, a good job at that. But it's that idea of I, I think this, this is that set narrative. And that's what's kind of fun. Like it's, I feel like I'm overselling it as I say it out loud, but it's almost like I'm excited for Saturday because I feel like I'm about to sit down and just like actually watch history. I mean, even if it's not. For like, Paige scores forty four and Caitlin scores forty two. Even if it's not like at this monumentally insane level, I think it's going to be cool getting that first opportunity to see them because I'm expecting to see them come at odds with each other. Yeah, multiple dozens actually, of times in the future. That actually brings up a question I, I did want to ask. Um, this isn't like a Vegas line or anything. I'm just pulling this out of thin air. But if I, I mean. UConn has the more vicious defense, as I mentioned. They, they're one of the best at limiting opponents shooting. Um, Iowa has the better three-point shooters. They, they average like 10 a game. They both move the ball really well. If I were to set the over-under for points, just, just Caitlin Clark points scored at like 33. We, we all have UConn winning this game, which presumably means that they're playing good defense. But would you take that? Mm. Three with their defense, that feels tough. Um, yeah, she's got to shoot at least forty percent. I think to hit that level, and that's tough. Um, I also don't know if she gets to the line enough to boost that. Would be my other take too. See, that's uh, which that's is my concern as well. I don't see her getting to the line enough. So probably mid twenties, um, but. I think you'll see an impressive stat book. Like I, I think she'll be close, if not right at about a double double range, depending on how things look. But I, yeah, thirty thirty three is a bit tough. And on the UConn side, this is a situation where they're going to have four players scoring like seventeen points. Yeah, everyone's going to go for twelve to fifteen. I that's yeah. I, I just I feel like this is going to get hyped as a like you know Paige and Caitlin are both going to put up forty burgers, and I just don't see it being that type of a game. I, I think Caitlin will play awesome and she'll play mad and Iowa will get her open looks. Uh, but also I, I think this UConn defense uh, and and the offense, especially we, we've talked a lot about Paige, but they, they can do a lot more inside. They get more blocks inside. They will probably get more rebounds and have more opportunities to score. So like I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if in a great effort, it's still like a 24 point game from Caitlin Clark instead of yeah. kind of the high point totals we're getting used to. You know what's unfair about this UConn team is that they're not even complete. 
Like, Ozzy <laughs> yeah. Fudd's going to be joining this this freaking roster, and that almost makes me angry. Like, well, and I, I like, oh, oh, like Gino's coming back this next round, and I think that's going to be really exciting to see, like, what they've got. And yeah, and Fudd coming, you know, next season, yeah. like, it's yeah, it's it's awesome, like. Yeah. People that are like, oh, UConn, because they haven't won a championship for a couple yeah, seasons, are like, oh, UConn's taking a step if back. You're anti, if you're, UConn's if you're still in the anti-UConn pool, I hope you had fun because, the, yeah, it's like it's it's going to be. A, They're still very season. good. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is a <laughs> maybe this is too saucy um, and and maybe a step too far away from the bracket itself. But I think UConn still gets all the best players that they want. There's just a higher like talent pool available for other colleges these days. Because for like a decade, they were getting all the best players and it was top heavy. Like there was still here, like here and there, you got Jewel Lloyd going to Notre Dame and you got South Carolina and some other like powerhouse teams, Baylor. But I, I think the talent pool is rising and it's kind of raising all the ships. And so UConn is still routinely at the head of the pack. But yeah. instead of being, you know, they're not, I don't think we're in for any more UConn seasons where they go four years and lose four yeah. total games. I forget who made this point, um, but someone I saw recently make a point that I think really adds to this, which is when you look at the ages of the players coming in, these are um, really the first generation of players who have grown up with prominent women's basketball players in the public eye, um, where they can easily, you know, so many other players we've seen in the past, their moment of like meeting the idol or who did you look up to or who do you model your game after you're hearing Kevin Durant, you're hearing LeBron James, you're hearing Dwayne Wade, you're hearing like those types of names. And every now and again, you'll hear women's players still, obviously nowadays it's very much an easy common discussion that they're taking after the women's games. And it's to the point of to say people have, and, and on top of that, just growing up watching UConn too, and being able to yeah. kind of say like, I've grown up watching how these great players and how these great teams play and I'm living up to it. And if I don't end up at UConn, I can make it happen elsewhere. Uh, and you're just seeing that talent level continue to build. And I think a four and a, th- a three star recruit means a heck of a lot more now than it has in the past. Yeah. And that's not to take away talent of other players in the past, but you're just starting to see that crowd more, which again is why expansion is extremely urgent in, in the league right now. Uh, because a lot of those high value players are gonna have to be pushed aside, and that's the it's insane the the current names right now that are only being signed to training camp contracts. It's nuts, and, right? And that's uh, yeah. And, and we're watching eighteen year old, nineteen year old Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers and Haley Van Lith and all of these great freshmen who are about to make that situation even worse. <laughs> So I'm curious, uh, for either one of you, if you were to take a look at the 16 teams left in the field and consider what they uh, have done so far in the tournament and how they're looking right now, who would you select now as your favorite to win the tournament? And then also who, uh, so, so there's part one. And then on the other side of the coin, what team were you really, really like big on that's still in the, that's still in the tournament hasn't been eliminated that you were really excited about, but you've very much cooled off on. Does that make sense? So I want to hear like what team you're like, dude, I think this team probably is going to take it. Uh, uh, that is different from who you originally picked. 
Um, and then after that, I, I want to hear what team have you cooled off on the most that's still in the, in gotcha. the tournament. So Logan, let's start with you. Well, I'll, I hope this answers your question. I, I still think this is kind of boring, but I still think Stanford, I mean, they came into the tournament as the overall number one. I know they haven't been like the major story, but I think that's kind of a good thing. It means that they haven't really even had to like try all that hard to get to the, the sweet 16. I think it'd still be Stanford. Now, to give you a more interesting answer, if I was allowed to go back in time and, and bet the Vegas odds on a team to win it all, the, the one that whose stock has risen the most is Maryland. Like, mm. I, I think most people, I don't think a single team in our like 50 person bracket pool has Maryland winning the whole thing. Wait, their stock has risen. Yeah. Their, their stock has risen, I think, more than Baylor, Stanford, UConn, like the kind of the usual so South Carolina. Um, right. So that, that's the team I would go back. And if I could get like Maryland plus 4,000 or whatever, I would take that over UConn plus a hundred. I like that. That's good. And so who have you cooled on then? Who's the team that you were like really high on and that's still in the tournament, but you're like, I don't see him going much further. Oh boy. I'll tell you what, it's gotta be one of this matchup in the Mercado region. I, I think it's gotta be Arizona, but mm. it could easily be Texas A&M too, just cause they've been clinging to every win that they've, I mean, <laughs> they, if you know, if one whistle or one dribble goes differently in either of their first two games, they're not even in it. Um, but I, I don't know. Yeah, actually, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to punish Arizona for winning their two games the way they have. I'm going to say Texas A&M is the one I've cooled on the most. Cause originally, I don't know if you remember this. I had them beating Baylor and like winning it all. I had them in my final game over Stanford and now I'm, you know, breathing a sigh of relief. I only have them to the final four. Uh, cause I just can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't take further. that level of stress every, you know, every two days that they play. So. I think I've cooled on the Aggies the most, if I'm being honest. Steve, same question to you. Who are you really high on right now? Who Who's increased their stock for you the most of the teams remaining in the tournament? Maryland's a really good shout. Um, for the fun of it, I'm going to kind of kick away from that. I would say I honestly am kind of on the opposite side of the coin in that based off of tonight's performance alone, Texas A&M actually rose a lot for me in that I think they got the shot in the arm they needed. And I don't mm. think Arizona is going to be much of a test, and I could see that being a momentous piece to it. What helps them is I think my biggest drop might be NC State, and just I haven't watched them wow me. And like they're a great team. Yeah. I'm, like, look, they've won their games handily, but in terms of uh, a number one seed that has the biggest shot of getting upended. Maryland over South Carolina makes sense as we look at it right now. But if Texas A&M can ride this momentum, if Jordan Nixon, who has been one of the best performers in this entire tournament, um, plays up A&M over NC State, wouldn't surprise me at this point. And so I, that's kind of where I saw it is I haven't seen anything to, to, to kick me up on that. But Here's the thing about the pack. They have a fun way of shutting me up. Cause I've, <laughs> I've talked down them a few times and every time I do that, they've, they've shut me up. So I, I don't question that at all. The only other team I can call it, by the way, as far as rise, probably is Michigan. Um, yeah, yeah. they've looked very, good very one. good. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned Michigan, uh, as well, because that was, that was a team immediately came to mind for me. Um, I was dumb and picked FGCU to upset them in the first round. I, that was like my spicy upset pick. 
And so they are making, they are very much making me regret that decision. Um, if I were to pick a team, so I've got a team that, uh, I've had my eye on. Now, I don't think that they've had as much opportunity to mm. raise, uh, raise a lot of eyebrows as, as some others. Don't do but, this. I mean, Maryland, Maryland has absolutely ripped teams apart. Um, but yeah, they played the 15 seed and then the seven seed, you know, and, and just smoked them. But Indiana, has looked very strong against both VCU and Belmont. They started out as a little bit slow against Belmont, but they beat both these teams like very handily, you know, 63 to 32 and then 70 to 48. Indiana's taking care of business and nobody's talking about them. And I would not be surprised the way that, that they've been playing, that they would give NC State a major run for their money. And it's for everything you just described why I, I was shocked you did, you weren't going to say Missouri State. I think it's I a thought you were going to yeah. say similar calls. No, I was going to get mad at you because I was going to say how they're going to lose literally in two days. Like, don't take no. Missouri State. <laughs> <laughs> I love Missouri State. I have Missouri State against Stanford. I really like them, but I do think Stanford's the best team overall in in the in the. Yeah, you know, they're a number one seed overall for a reason. But yeah, I actually really like this Indiana team. I think they're playing well, and kind of I loved Steve's. He's cooled off on NC State, and I probably agree with him a little bit. There is that Indiana coming up against NC State here. That might be. Uh, we didn't even mention that as one of our like games to watch. That might be a game that, a great one. that is an upset pick that a lot of people. Uh, could could hurt a lot of people's brackets if they've got NC State going, you know, really far. So anyway, that that's one shout out I got to give. It should go without saying, but these games start like 1 p.m. on Saturday, um, and I think it starts with Iowa UConn, and pretty much you need to watch all of them. I like watching the first two rounds is fun because of the potential upsets, but now we're getting into like like these are like these are clashes between teams, and and not all of them are going to go the way you think. So I, I don't can think we, there's any that I look at and I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. Can we talk really quick about how haphazardly weird the Sweet 16 schedule is? <laughs> We've got six yes. games one day and two games the next. It's yeah, really it's, strange. It's a little odd. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. It's So that's part of it. But I just thought that was really intriguing, like six games. I'm not complaining about getting a chance to watch six highly competitive college basketball games in a day. Uh, it's just really interesting to me that the way they like stacked it yeah. and then, you know, we have well, those two matchups the next day. It's sort of, it's sort of a reflection of the men's, like the, the men's tournament has done the same thing. They've had like one in the morning and then like four at the afternoon instead of spreading it out. And so I wonder if it's ABC and ESPN and all these channels are trying to balance the two. You know what it is? It's just freaking analytics. It's this sabermetric <laughs> analytic nerd spin, saying, no, don't rate. do four one day and four the next. You got to have one at 6 a.m. And then the, the stats, the, the numbers it's, say, the charts say you have to have three and a half right around 11 o'clock. That's the perfect time. Two, then, three and a half games. Yeah. We would have one game every half hour if it wasn't for the shift. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's nerds. the shift's fault. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh, that's great. Oh, we, I, I'm, I'm not hosting this episode, but I, I did want to remember that we had a question at the beginning of the, the recording we wanted mm. to get yes, to. Yes, let's please. I, yeah, I want to. Um, so that's really everything we have as far as the tournament. So before we, we hit to a couple Q&A pieces, first and foremost, uh, if you want to check us out on socials, of course, follow us over on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. Um, and... Follow us over there. Likewise, over on Facebook. Of course, you can find us anywhere that your podcast 
can be found. If you do listen anywhere with the review system, much like Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review and a comment. Let us know what you've enjoyed about the show. Uh, and of course, if you want to have that added unique, dynamic, exuberant experience, you can always check us out live on the Twitch where we record these episodes uh, and be a part of the healthy discussion. We've had so much fun with our our Twitch friends who've been here from day one. Their support's been amazing, and uh, they've been a part of some really huge discussions. So we thought we'd roll from this into uh, jumping into a, a few Q and A questions. So. Logan, if you want to kick it off, Kyle, you want to jump in, whatever. But let's uh, let's dive into one or two of these and see how we feel. This is a great question. This is a question I think we could turn into easily like a full episode. And it, and I hate to spring it on you guys with like five minutes left in this one. Um, <laughs> but we got a question. Who are your current top five college women's players? Um, can be in or out of the bracket. They're probably all in the bracket. Um, but I, I'll throw it to, to Kyle first because he looks like he's got his face... Ready, ready. I'm ready to go. I want to hear your list and then I'll, I'll copy yours and Steve's list by the time it gets back to me. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I was trying to think through some of the classic, uh, or the classes and, um, you know, I don't want to take like five seniors. So the, it was the, the top five current women's, uh, basketball players in college right now. Um, for me, um, off the top of my head, I really like Ryan Howard a lot. Uh, out of Kentucky. I know that they had a really bad exit just, just what yesterday. Um, I really, really like Ryan Howard and I think that she's a future number one, uh, overall pick. Um, uh, Aaliyah Boston out of South Carolina, uh, I think has a bright future and is a future WNBA player. Um, and Dana Evans out of Louisville, as far as a senior that we're going to be seeing in the league next year, like almost guaranteed. Um, those off the top of my head that I've got to give a shout out to. And then of course, uh, we've already talked a ton about them. I got to go Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers to round up out my five. That is not in any particular order. That's just making the list. That's not ranked one through five at all. Um, that's just my, my top five players right now. And I, uh, I'm, I'm big on all five of them and I think they all have a big future. I could see every one of them becoming WNBA all-star someday. So there's my five. I'll, I'm just going to do this off the top of my brain. So I'm like, not looking at stats, not looking at anything. But I mean, if I had to go five off the top of my head, I, I'd go probably Clark, Beckers, Boston, uh, Awusu out of Maryland, and, mm. uh, shoot skis. Uh, maybe Keanu Williams. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest, I know like Charlie Collier right now is the popular, like one, you know, top pick in this upcoming draft. I don't know that she's quite top five for me for a lot of what we already talked about. So that's the one that's close, but that'd be my five out there with a little, uh, I know that, that their team did not perform too highly well. Actually, no, I'm lying. I, I, I didn't say Dan Evans, did I? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunate for Keanu Waves. I'm, I'm going to throw in Dan Evans. Off the top of my head, which is my also my way of saying don't hold me to this if we have a longer discussion about it between now and the WNBA season. This is a really good topic we could dig into. I would put Clark and Becker's one and two probably in that order um, by by a narrow margin. And then I would probably put Boston, who I think, Steve, you said. I don't remember if Kyle said Aaliyah Boston. Yeah, I put that. I said that one too, yeah. Yeah, I want Aaliyah Boston in there. Um <sighs> 
I don't, it's probably, I don't know. I really like Kirsten Bell. I, I don't know if I should put her in like the instant top five discussion, but she, her name hasn't been mentioned yet. And she plays for Florida Gulf Coast who didn't manage to get the upset, but I, maybe it's just a player that I like. And this is becoming Logan's five players that he likes. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's all good. That's how top five sort of work. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I want to throw, I guess that's kind of my wild card. I, you have to put Collier in your top five because she is, if, if she doesn't go number one, she'll be top three pretty safely. Mm-hmm. So Respect. I think that'll round out. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I also, really like I, I, I also freaking didn't bring oh, up Jordan Nixon. Dang it. Um, yeah. and honestly, <laughs> Jordan Nixon's good. While, the woman while, of the uh, hour. While it freaking didn't work out in the tournament. Like if 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 we were just going like regular season, we hadn't started the tournament. Uh, like the number one name in my head that I go like I don't know if it is now, but I it was like a solid then was Chelsea Dungey. Mm. Uh, and that's where, yeah like, Chelsea Chelsea's Chelsea's very good. Yeah, Arkansas, like I said, early exit. Freaking Ari McDonald. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Renaya Davis. Renaya Davis out of Tennessee. <laughs> Renaya Davis out of Tennessee, I'm telling you, has some serious high potential. I think she's got a high ceiling. Uh, this is a sort of a so. deceptively hard question because when you when you power rank like like if you do WNBA players, you have an entire body of work to to evaluate yeah. on, right? You have in, in a lot of cases you've got ten to fifteen years of like they've been great every single year. They've won X amount of championships, and in college, at most you've got four. Most of the time, the really yeah. good players you get one to three. So you're, you're evaluating players based on like your instincts more than like their resume, right? Like all the things that they've put in. Cause they haven't done all that much yet. Like, you know, Caitlin Clark's 18, 19 years old. This is her first tournament. She's going to be in another one. Like it, you know, it, it's hard to power rank players that are still like, you have no idea what their ceiling could be and they have very little past. So it's just like, wh- how do you feel about them right now? Yeah. Now, right. I will say really quick, if you do want to have the all-timer discussion specific to college, you definitely need to follow Anila on Twitter, uh, WHoops Blogger. She's been doing her uh, like bracket tournament of the best women's college basketball players of all time. She's got some really you yes. know, she's been putting together some Twitter polls. And uh lately when she's been posting those Twitter poll matchups, I've had to sit and look at them and like really think about Go through. it. Like intense, yeah. like there was one, I think today that was legitimately like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea how I'm going to respond to this one. It was, it's, I, I'm going to call it out right now. Cause I'm just like, Oh man, it like drove me. Like I legitimately had to like stop and look. It was, it was my amor and Sabrina Ionescu. <laughs> what, what do you want me to Jeez. do? Like, <laughs> I freaking, you know, it's just like one of those, like, uh, th- those have been some fun discussions. So you should look that up if you want to have your own, uh, uh, you know, your house rules, home, you know, board game, you know, family game night, and talk about <laughs> all the the all time greats. So another shout out to Anila. I feel like we have one every episode because she's one yeah. Of if we have if we haven't shouted out Anila, we need to by the end of it. She's, she's like a top three follow when it comes yeah. to <laughs> she, sports. For so. sure. She she needs a shout out right now because her bracket's down with Kyle. She needs. She needs oh. to know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anila. If that's the case, you're struggling. I think. I think she actually well, has Texas hey, A&M you know as what? her champion. We've got. We've got 46 people, and I'm tied for 23rd. I mean, 
I'm right in the middle of this, all right? Just because y'all are up ahead of me. Oh. Anila's down with Steve. She's tied with Steve right now. So yeah, nothing's decided yet. This, this weekend is huge. And I know that sounds so dumb to say, because like ultimately a lot of times it just comes down to like, did you get your, your final four? You know, your, everyone will have your champion. If it's UConn or if it's Stanford or whoever, everyone else will have that. But if you get your final four, you'll be in business. So like if Texas A&M punches through, if you've got Maryland making a run, um, that that upper right region where Michigan could ruin everything or Iowa could Baylor, throw off yeah. all the UConn championship brackets. Like this is the weekend where we just saw a lot of upsets and we've we've witnessed how the neutral court has affected, you know, the the higher seeds. I think it's gonna be I don't think that's gonna stop I've, just because we're in the sweet sixteen last, round. Last year's bubble bubble experiences in this tournament, I've decided every sport should be on a neutral court or field for everything now. Hundred percent. It's no more so home. True. Anything. Just like have like 100%. the basketball stadium, and that that just exists. And then we all go play on it. That's it's my favorite thing now. I love I love these like summer camp feel experiences. There's something about it. I, it's honestly something I'm terribly gonna miss when uh, we go back to to normal because it's been really cool mm-hmm. uh, to add to it. And and like you said, adds a competitive dynamic we we're not used to. Shame. Um, do we have any, do we have anything else in the question verse we wanted to hit? Anyone got a shout out? Please. says, why does nobody in the media call out UConn for leaving starters in the game up huge late? Do you, do you feel that is true? And if so, do you feel like the media gives them, I guess, a pass for being UConn? I mean, Um, this tournament, it's... Here's the thing about this tournament in general. It's hard. I don't know if it's a pass, but it's definitely been like the level with which if you watch any pregame, postgame, halftime, they'll talk about the game they're supposed to be talking about for a couple minutes. And then literally it's time to talk about Paige Becker. Like, it's very much like I'm yeah. shocked there's not like a page cam. Just like what's Always. she doing right now? <laughs> She's taking a nap. She's eating chips. You know, like one of those, you know, like when you watch the Olympics and they'll just randomly show you shots of like what Michael Phelps is doing in the back before a race. <laughs> yeah. And it's just all of the athletes sitting in chairs, watching a TV screen. And you're like, what's the point of this? And like, it's all, I almost expected that out of like, here's page watch. Here's what's going on. So I do get it to that point. This is a tough case because for instance, I do understand that frustration of like, why does no one seem to like this kind of, it almost could be disrespectful or even dangerous. You'd hate to injure, get into player injured. And UConn did, by the way, that did happen to them. Um, and so you have that scenario, but at the same time, I was on the opposite discussion when team USA went off on Thailand in the women's world cup. And it's right. sort of <laughs> the same discussion. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, to me, I'm almost torn. Like, I can't decide if that makes me hypocritical or if it's that idea of like, there's spectacle to it. At the same time, the only thing that I could think of that I go, like, I do justify it this way. The matchups are going to start to get significantly harder for a team like UConn. And you do want to make sure your players are readily conditioned for 40 minutes of basketball. Mm -hmm. And so if, you know, if you get them too used to only playing so many minutes, it it could be to them. Yeah, that's a really good point. Essentially, the only thought I can think of. My other thing is there's not been a lot of other teams with that same opportunity. You could maybe argue Missouri State uh and potentially I mean obviously Maryland. 
Um, but other than that, not a lot of teams have had the opportunity to rest players. And so it's hard to make that judgment call. Um, you see teams all the time doing this. I don't, I don't hate UConn leaving their starters in. Sometimes you just give them that opportunity like, Hey, all right, well, this game's kind of in the bag. Let's run. You, you kind of run some like experimental stuff, right? You're like, Hey, what if, what if we threw something like this out there? What if we threw something like this and you kind of treat it like an opportunity for, for some more exploration and some, you know, when we've got court time right now in a game, we're going to win this game. Let's run, let's run some stuff that, you know, allows us an opportunity to, to explore a few options moving forward with who we're going to match up next round. So I get that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just my take. I don't, I don't hate the fact that they kept starters in a little bit longer than others. Um, but that's just, that's just me. Yeah. You guys also, maybe this is way off. Do you guys think that Gino is always playing the game, like the big game? Where, it, you know, if for UConn to continually get all the best players, they have to dominate year to year. And I do think it's important to them to show like strength in every game, especially against lesser opponents. Like I, you never want to like put a player in a position to get injured or exhausted in the tournament or anything like that. But I, I do think they, they stick to the rotations that they stick to and they play the game that they want to play regardless of the score in part because it, it familiarizes them with, as Steve said, like what they want to do against better opponents, but also because I think they're always looking to put teams away and, and to prove like you should be scared of us. You know, that's carried right. them for a lot of years. Maybe there's something to that. I would say almost the other part of it is I think it's certain that, Gino definitely values what building star power can do for recruitment. That it's yeah. beyond just, yep. oh, we'll be great, but if you come to UConn, like, you're, you are potentially the next Sue Bird or the next Bruce Stewart. You'll be a you're, media darling. Yeah, you're now, like, it's more than just you're, you're going to be a great basketball player, you could have a good career, you'll come win championships, but, like, I can help you become a celebrity, almost in a way. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying yeah. he's exploiting people or anything like that, but it's that idea of having that focus of, like, you know, does, you know, do you think your star rises to the page level in, if you go somewhere else, do you have that same level? You know, are people talking about you as much? And that's that, like, I could see that, I, you know, I'm not saying that's an embedded focus of his. It's a whole thing that he would harp on, but there's certainly a lot of people that that's something that could appeal to them in their recruitment process. You know, there's yeah. a lot of different things that you could tie to there. Um, I honestly think at this point that that embedded focus on, Dominance, I think, is just kind of where his head is at as a coach, which is, I think for him, like, his demeanor will be the same every game in every situation. And so that's the level with which we play, no matter what the scenario is. Yeah. Like, it's just that expectation I, yeah. maintains, and it's it bleeds to where it is. I uh, obviously can't yeah. speak to, like, playing at a Division One level. Like, I, I never did anything close to that. But I have been on teams where the other team has put in, like they've cleared the bench and they've put in like the scrub unit. And I, I hope that this is something that kind of like the sportsmanship police can appreciate. Cause I, I feel like I never get this take off correctly, but it doesn't feel good to be in a game and to see the other team basically like cruising to a victory over you. It's not like, yeah. Oh good. Like at least they're not running up the score. Like it just sucks either way. So I don't think there's that big of a difference between leaving yeah. starters in deep into the fourth quarter and clearing the bench. I, I, I don't think the outcry over yeah. like sportsmanship yeah. is warranted almost uh, some of the time. 
I, I think there are occasions, but I think more often than not, it's better sportsmanship to put all your best players on the floor and play a team straight up. Yeah. 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 I think, I think the only real argument is, is you're risking injury to players. Yeah. Other than that, losing by big, losing big sucks no matter what. So I, yeah, I don't if, think it, yeah, it, I don't it, think there's it, any at lower need levels to call them out. at lower levels. Like not only you're risking injury, but you're, you're risking like running someone out of their own gym and like someone snapping. And it, like if some yeah. kid has been killing a big, you a all big flagrant game, flat, flagrant yeah. foul, yeah, yeah, you do risk tempers getting a little hot. But and I, I also I don't think, think that's um, a problem. I think temperament plays a big role there in terms of you know it's one thing if you're trying to still maintain quality minutes for some of your top players because you want to make sure the conditions or whatever it is, but um, if they're celebrating plays in the same cocky dynamic when they're up 35 as when they were 10 minutes into the game. Yeah. At that point you, you can kind of be like, you know what? Maybe chill. <laughs> like, yeah. I, see, I think that's so different. And I'm not accusing Just... any team of doing that, but I've seen that happen before, but it's again, I'm going back to that world cup example. I remember having this discussion with someone because in that game, I, I believe Rose Lavelle scored her first world cup goal. And a lot of people were getting on her about, like, you're up by 13 goals. How could you celebrate with that? That's so disrespectful. Like, she just fulfilled a dream. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. she's living it's her lifelong life, dream. She just scored drill. a goal yeah. in the World Cup. Yeah, I would be over the moon, right? And so it's that idea of, like, context definitely plays a role in that. I think in general, like, if it were my decision, uh, I do arrest my players because like, there's just too much risk in terms of, I, you know, especially with top-end players, uh, like I would have, you know, in terms of like, you know, the top 1% level players that I would have somewhere like UConn, it's that idea of conditioning might be a question or a couple other things might be the question. But the fact of the matter is you'll play up to whatever situation you're in. And at this point, I need to maintain that safety and allow the rest of my my squad an opportunity in minutes where they where we can get them. And that's just the practice of it. So that's hard to tell. I think the other thing, if if that frustration is from these two games in general. The only other final thought I have at this is, is technically this honestly technically isn't a Gino Ariyama call. It's an assistant coach's right. call and, and that might have played a role in it is a, that things are going to be a little different if someone else is in charge, they may not have a full under, you know, a, you know, there's a disconnect that's always going to happen there, no matter how connected they are to what the head coach is doing. The other side of it is that sometimes gives players a little bit more leeway sometimes uh, to main, to leverage their ability to get on the court more than they may in another situation. I wouldn't be shocked if that as a structure looks a little bit different in, in these upcoming games for a team like UConn with Gino back yeah. in the seat. Yeah. No, I, I really do. I, maybe that's a little bit of conspiracy Logan coming in, but I, I think it's important to that program to, to be dominant and to not just, uh, not in like an arrogant way, but they, they want to be the bully, right? Cause they, they want players to go play for them and to get minutes and to get high point totals in the tournament and to like, you know, every metric that you look at for UConn, they want to be the best. And like, I can't fault them for that. That's, that's what everyone should want to do, and they can actually pull it off most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Hard to fault. Well, that was, uh, I think, an interesting uh, 
a take to, to close things on. Um, <laughs> that said, um, we have a lot more tournament and whatnot to discuss coming up, but this has been a fantastic conversation for what's usually uh, one of the best weeks uh, sports-wise in the entire year. But, Logan, Kyle, anything else you guys want to bring to the table for a call today? No, I'm good, man. This has been a fun episode. Logan, just uh, Last hang shot. in there, Texas A&M. My bracket needs you. <laughs> hang, hang, in hang in there. Hang in tough. Hang in tough. I only got one last <laughs> thing to say, and it's RIP to the to the Sparks uh, classic logo, one of the funnest oh, logos yeah. in sports. Um, we didn't get a chance to open up that discussion because we had too much tournament to talk about. We plan on having that discussion, so I'll just we'll get, get this out. Very, very, very quickly. I hate it. I don't like it at all. I think it's bad, and I'm frustrated that they made that change. And with that, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. We'll get, we'll get to the city jersey discussion. We'll have a whole. Yeah, we'll get time. Oh, whole yeah, thing. we will too. Because I don't know if you guys saw, Asia Wilson is already teasing new uniform. Their looks. new jerseys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there will be discussion on uh, on new uniforms. So in case you thought we forgot. We got a lot of branding discussion, but we don't want to also have a lot to talk about. We have a sweet 16 and an elite eight, a final four and NCAA championship. And then right after that, we have a draft and then we have a WNBA season and then we have an Olympics and then we have another Olympics. It's going to be a lot uh, that's going to be happening over the next several months. And I'm not even talking about the fact that the NWHL is back and the NWSL is going to be kicking off the challenge cup before long. If you think there is not a lot to talk about in the world of women's sports, believe me, uh, stay on top of your podcast feed on Twitch, on Twitter. We're going to be here to connect you. But until all that happens, thank you so much for joining us this episode of WNBA Nation. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. We got you next time.